Good morning, podcasters. Steve DeLaviaga here. Uh, over a thousand downloads, uh, first couple podcasts, so I like it that people are uh, excited about it. And I love bringing uh, some content to you. Uh, this is a Monday. I'm going to talk a little bit about a couple things today. I'm going to talk about why sales has a negative connotation and then how, as salespeople, you got to embrace what you are. You know, and I think the hardest part is no one that I know of, no one tells their parents when they're 13 or 14, mom, dad, I want to be in sales. Usually your parents will say, because you're negotiating every term they ask you to do. When you're always young, I used to argue, mom, can I do another half hour outside? I'll tell you what, I'll clean up the dishes after dinner. I would negotiate every single statement. And that, that does sometimes um, get tedious for parents. They get feisty. My mom would say, you're either going to be a lawyer or a salesperson. I was not smart enough to be a lawyer, hence why I got into sales. And I think as I got older, when I met salespeople, I'll be honest, the vast majority of salespeople are very, very average to poor at their job. They're not good. They're doing it just for money. And I'm going to tell you why the term salesman or saleswoman, salesperson has a bad connotation. And it's because there are five basic types of labels that people fall into when they're not fit for sales. And I want you, if you're a sales leader, I want you to think about this with the people in your team. And if you're looking at going into sales, if you fit one of these five, don't do it. Because the truth is, if you're not suited for the role, it's not a good career for you to be in, okay? Now, I'm going to give you the five kind of labels of folks who should not go into sales, okay? The first one is the farmer. This is someone who just wants to kind of, they don't want to prospect purposefully. They're not intentional about targeting good new revenue. They're just really kind of hanging around, looking for the company to give them leads, talking to their internal staff about who can I go take care of? Who can I take to lunch and spend time with? Farmers are never going to be the right salespeople. The number one criteria needed to grow in sales is being a purposeful prospector. You have to love the word no. You've got to invite the word no into your business because the better caliber of client opportunity you prospect, the more no's you're going to get because every quality client you will prospect in any field already is using someone else if they're any good. And if they're already using someone else, generally they're happy. I've taught a lot of objection handling over the years, and this is one of my favorites. I used to call people, they'd go, hey, Steve, look, I'm happy where I am. And I go, I know. I only call happy people. Well, Steve, I'm also loyal to the people I use. I go, exactly. I only call happy, loyal people. Why would I call unhappy, disloyal people? Not a very good mantra for my business. That usually breaks the ice. We'll get a laugh or a, oh, that was good, or I hear you. And I'd say, listen, I'm not asking you to stop a five or 10 year relationship. I'm asking you if I can talk about building business together with proven concepts, systems, 
technology and best practices such that if I can help your business grow, I can earn a piece of that business the same way you earn business today in your business world. Does that sound fair to you? When I ask that question and use that talk track and script, generally I get a good response more than 50% of the time. So if you have farmers on your sales force, you need to start repurposing them back into the sales force to waste somebody else's time and money, but they should not waste yours. Secondly, there's the moss on the rock salesperson. That's the person that cozies up to management, cozies up to internal staff, Always, hey, how can I help, you know, uh, bringing coffee to you as a boss or your management, etc. Look, I don't need someone to bring me coffee or buy my lunch. I need someone who's going to prospect 90 minutes a day. There's no business generally inside um, the office. The business is outside, either through social media, through prospecting, being in the field. Uh, we all wish we could make a ton of money in sales and not leave the office. The truth is, I tell my sales executives this every day. If you're in the office for longer than 20 minutes in a huddle meeting with your internal staff, I'm overpaying you after that. You're wasting our company's resources. I need you in the field, either social media prospecting or live prospecting, but you cannot be sitting in offices. That's not the job of a salesperson. The third type is the it's coming guy or gal. That's the one that's always got a big deal on the horizon. Oh, boss, I've been talking to this person. They're about ready. We're ready. They're gonna, they have $100 million, $50 million of business. They're going to bring it to us. And they're always hoping that that type of discussion keeps them in the game a little longer. When your sales as a leadership, I always forecasted 30, 60, 90. I never forecasted past 90 days because otherwise everybody became a past 90 day prospect. Look, if you have huge targets, that's great, but you can't have only huge targets. We have to eat breakfast and lunch every day. So you've got to go get, you know, producers that are in that medium range. Then you have your big ones. Then you have your enterprise partner opportunities. You've got to make sure that you're not always talking about what's coming because the truth is that tends to also be someone who just hangs on the, well, if I get this one account, I'm going to be set. That's not the right play. That's not the right play. Okay. And the, the fourth, the, sorry, the fourth one. Yeah. The fourth one's simple. It's no one's fault. They're good people, but it's a round peg in a square hole. They're just not a salesperson. They don't like the word no. They don't genuinely like people. Sales is a people business. You got to like people. You got to enjoy talking with people. You got to enjoy banter. You got to enjoy spending time and not always spending time the way you want to, right? I like a cigar and a cocktail, so I like it when I can have a, a drink with someone and have a cigar and talk with them. But I've got clients that, that want to eat at Pita Jungle and they want to have uh, ice water and lemonade. I, I'm, then I'm having ice water and lemonade eating at Pita Jungle. You have to love people. And too many people get into sales that are round pegs and square holes. They did it because they thought they could make more money. They did it because it looks like an easy job from the outside. The truth is they're nice they're fine, they work really hard, but they're never gonna grow your business or add value. And it's one of the most harmful things a company can have because it kills culture. It is a culture killer to have people who are really nice, who show up every day, who just aren't ever going to be career great at this role. 
And the longer you keep them, the more you say to them, mediocre is okay, average is okay. And the truth is, it's not okay. The truth is, you got to decide what kind of sales force you want. And that doesn't mean you walk in and whack everybody today. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is, you spend time looking at, if we don't have the right fit, if it's a round peg in a square hole, let's find them somewhere else in the organization that they may be more suited for, or two, help them find their way out. I always talk to our leaders about either you got to be moving up your bottom 25% or moving them out. But if you're staying in the bottom 25% month after month and more than a year, I got news for you. They are not a good fit. Round peg, square hole. And the last, the fifth type of what I call the wrong type of salesperson is the used car salesman, the slick person. They're insincere. They over talk. They're always worried about, you know, their quota. This person will never have a successful career. They might make their number one or two months, but they're not someone who is truly value added. Are you in the business of saving your customers time, saving your customers money, and in turn, generating business for them they could not have gotten without your expertise, your systems, your models, your tech, and your best practices? If you're not bringing that kind of value, then the truth is you're not, you shouldn't be in sales. And you know what the reality is? There are a lot more bad salespeople out there than great ones. It's just how it works. The reality is I want to challenge us as business owners, as sales managers, as folks that think that, hey, I'm running something. If you're doing that and you're allowing a mediocre sales force, and by the way, the, a good market makes a lot of rock stars out of people that lip sync. Let me tell you something. And I'm in the real estate space. So when I'm in the real estate space right now, a lot of salespeople in mortgage and title and realtors who maybe aren't serious practitioners of their trade, but because the market's been so good, they've made a little money. It's one of the things I'm most proud of in my space of the ones that are tough on their sales forces in good times. It's easy to be tough in bad times. Easy to fire people when the revenue's not there in bad times. What I'm asking you to think of it is, when it's good right now, are you squeezing the lemon? See, it's never ever the people you fire that hurt you in your business. It's the people you keep. And when you keep people who are moss on a rock, slick, insincere, or just plain not a good fit, for the business of sales, they're never going to be great at it because it does not. They don't have the likability, the work velocity, and the willingness to always be learning in this space. Those are the three things it takes. I rate those things one through ten. I try to make sure I spend a minimum of an hour with someone I'm going to hire, and I go over searching for ways that I can understand what's their work motor, what's their likability, and what's their willingness to learn. And see, people that aren't willing to learn. In this space, as fast as things are moving with tech and systems and models, it's not going to work. So let me ask you: Right now, things are good. Things are growing. We're in a very good job market. We're in a very good economy. We're in a very good real estate market. Everything's working. Are you looking clinically? Are you looking strategically and tactically at your sales force and going, "Do I have the right people?" Because if you're tracking it, and you need to be tracking lead measures and lag measures, lead me- the best book I ever read when I got into leadership was The Four Disciplines of Execution by Stephen Covey. I modeled my entire sales career after it. There are always 
three or four really good lead measures, things that happened before the sale. So I track things that will involve work velocity, will involve willingness to learn. I track how many two-way conversations did you have on social media a day? How many calls did you make a day and how many connections did you make? How many target appointments did you set? And these are all lead measures, happens before the deal, right? How many second target meetings did you set? Because good targets don't usually give you a deal or a relationship on the first one. It might take three to five target meetings. Now, once you have that, then you track things like open orders, RFP requests, closed orders, revenue. Those are lag measures. Those happen after you get them. But you've got to track lead measures on the front end, lag measures on the back end. And then uh, I'm most proud of this. I scoreboarded all of it and I made sure everyone saw it. If you keep score and only you see it as a manager, you're wasting a huge opportunity. Salespeople are generally the most competitive group of people in the United States. So I can tell you, in my world with 3,200 salespeople in 43 states, every time we create a scoreboard and we make it public, everybody sees it. Every salesperson, every manager, regional, divisional, I'll send it to our CEO on occasion. I want to make sure everybody sees where they are because as soon as you keep score, the intensity is heightened and the effort goes up. Look it, I grew up playing sport my whole life. My two kids played sport. When my son would be playing out back and he'd have two or three kids over, they'd be playing one-on-one and messing around, just kind of having fun. I'd say, hey, tell you what, first guy to 11 by ones, here's a $20 bill for the one that wins. Then they'd play one-on-one. Now people are diving for loose balls. People are calling fouls and, and being intense and pushing each other and competing, right? As soon as there was a score and a result, the same thing is true in business. If you don't have a way to publicly score, and don't send it out in an email where everybody reads it on their own. No, I'm not talking about that. When everybody's in a room, everybody's on a Zoom call where everybody can see everybody's face, I would read out page one, and then I would flip and go to page two and read that out. And when people saw themselves on page two, I knew I had a good one when they'd call and go, boss, I don't want to be on page two. What do I need to do? And I would go through what they need to do. You need more target appointments. I'm not sure what to say. Good. Let's go over script and thought track training. Let's look at what two-way conversations are using on social media. I'm not on social media. That's not going to work in today's day and age. See, 15 years ago, we could go into offices, see people tougher now. Time is people's greatest protected resource. Are you using social media where 99% of your clients reside every single day? The three biggest social mediums, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. They still have the most traffic. They still have the most ability to create content. They have the most ability for you to like, engage, understand, and genuinely want to get to know more about your prospect before you go trying to call on them and get to earn their business. Nobody should be giving you anything in this base of sales. It's an earned process. You earn business. You don't get it given to you. If you get it given to you, it's very easy to get it taken away. When you earn someone's business, and first, you've got to earn their trust. Before that, you've got to create rapport with them so you get the time to earn their trust. It's a process. You make a strong introduction. You create rapport. You then add value and earn your next meeting. The goal of the first meeting in a good prospect meeting is never to get a deal. It's to get a second meeting and a third meeting because now every time you do it, you're building value. And if you're building value over time, that 
is how you create partners, not just customers. The reality is this podcast was built around sales leaders. I'm challenging you here. Let's go out and make sure we are looking strategically and clinically at our teams. Are we moving up or out the bottom 25%? Are you publicly scoring either success or failure? Both work, by the way. You can fail your way forward, but if you stay in the second page or the bottom for three months, six months, nine months, then the reality is this is not a fit for you. Because nobody who's competitive with high work velocity, a willingness to learn, and a high likability is going to stay at the bottom of any scoreboard very long if they want to be great in the sales area. And I can tell you, in our world, we've learned to turn, you should hire slowly but fire quickly. And the truth is, we know in sales, you know in leadership in 30 days if your person is not going to make it. They don't have the willingness to learn. They are too slick. They're always looking for internal deals. They're asking the company where the leads are. The reality is, those folks are never going to be great in this space. you got to give them enough runway, three to six months. But if you know in 45 days that they're not going to be right, sit down with them and have a conversation. Challenge them to either change their mindset, their tactics, their strategy, or help repopulate them back into the sales force to waste another company's time and money, but it shouldn't waste yours. At the end of the day, I love sales for this reason. If your goal is greatness, if your goal is career, then you know what? It's the greatest career you can have in the world because you're helping people who are helping their businesses. When you help their businesses grow, you genuinely help their lives grow. When their lives get better, you create partners, not just customers. And that is the goal. Thanks, ladies and gentlemen. Make it a great day. Look forward to seeing you. If you like the podcast, make sure you share it. Love spending time with everybody. Talk soon.